Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast. I'm your host, Kia Marie Widmer, and joining me today is a rodeo announcer and past bull rider, Skip Ransom. Skip has a lot of awesome perspectives to offer from his life experiences and kind of pulling back the veil on some of the things in the industry that we either aren't aware of or we sometimes ignore or turn the blind eye to. And he just sheds a little light on that and how we can come together to be better and do better and to grow and to invite more people and just continue to make this industry what it is and and to grow it for what we love it to be. Um, So it's all good stuff to know. Knowledge is power and he has some awesome advice for the youth coming up, those of you who are competing, who have big goals and for the parents and just how to make it more fun and to keep it real and to keep it honest and make it the best experience that it can be. So he has a lot to offer and we are really glad that he joined us on the podcast today. Quickly before we get started, I want to give a huge shout out to the 2022 Rodeo Kids Ambassador Team. We have an awesome roster of kids from all over the country between the ages of 10 and 18 and they are ready to step up as leaders in the industry and they have so many awesome things to share and make sure that if you don't follow us already that you head on over to our Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok pages. Everybody on the Rodeo Kids Ambassador team will be posting their advice, their perspectives, the kinds of drills that they do, and much more on those pages. So head on over there, give us a like, give us a follow, give us a share, and let your friends know about it. And now we'll get started with Skip. Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast, where we empower youth to be their best selves through the values and traditions of the rodeo and Western lifestyle. All right. Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast. We're excited to have you. You got tagged on one of our guest requests by Bob Saunders, I believe it was. Yeah. We've been kind of following some of his stuff and talking to him a little bit. And then when he said that, I went through your stuff. I was like, well, he would be a perfect person to have. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you guys asked me to be on here. Uh, you know, sometimes Bob tags me in things that I don't really want to be a part of. So uh, he, I wasn't sure if this was legit or if he was just, you know, fooling around. So it's good. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, this one, uh, I mean, we like to think we're legit at least. <laughs> We do have a real podcast and we won't say anything that's too embarrassing because it is rodeo kids. So right, right, right. We'll keep it safe there. But our goal in these podcasts is to give kids some background on how people got to where they are in the industry, because there are so many opportunities in the industry, but it's really easy to get caught up in like, how in the world did they do that? Like they must've grown up in a rodeo family. They must've done this. And like, there's so many different ways, whether you are embedded in it or you came in as an outsider. And so just sharing those stories and letting the kids and their families realize that, you know, if there's a will, there's a way and hearing your stories yeah. help guide that path. So let's just start at the beginning, like who you are, where you got started and all that good stuff. All right. Well, uh, I mean, obviously my name is Skip Ransom and, uh, you know, currently I'm a rodeo announcer, Western sports announcer and MC. And, uh, you know, my wife and I, Shelby, we live in Colorado. 
uh, for now we're moving to Texas in the next two weeks. And so, uh, there's a lot happening on that side, but, um, yeah, so I grew up not in a rodeo family necessarily, but we farmed and ranch. We had some cows and horses and, uh, you know, I was just always into riding bulls. That was what I was, you know, I loved to do. And uh, when, I was two years, when I was two years old, I told my dad we were watching. This was when the BRO kind of ended and the PBR started. And uh, I was on TNN. I remember like it's yesterday. And I, I told my dad, I was like, I'm going to be a world champion, you know. And he was like, yeah, okay. Like, you, <laughs> you're literally sitting in my living room in a diaper. Like, what are you talking about? You know, and, and. <laughs> You know, and I could speak pretty well when I was little. I started walking when I was nine months old. And so uh, it wasn't, you know, out of the realm of possibility for me to talk. But I think he was a little bit thrown away by that. And so fast forward to me being six and there's a little fair in town and I wanted to ride a cap. And my dad was like, no, absolutely not. Like your mother will kill me. And so I threw a fit and uh, he let me do it <laughs> against his better judgment, probably. And I ended up winning the deal. And, um, you were hooked. That was it. You know, that was it. I, I was, I wanted to ride everything that I could ride from that point forward. And, uh, you know, I'm junior high rodeoed and high school rodeoed, youth rodeoed, uh, and, uh, you know, went on to ride some professional bull riding. And I never really made it very far because I was always interested in other things. Uh, I would, I would say for the sake of the podcast, I ran with some uh, less than sultry folks uh, for a while. And, uh, you know, it took the focus away from me really focusing on being a world champion bull rider to how it looked to be a bull rider. And uh, so in 2012, I joined the military and uh, I went for a four year adult timeout and uh, got out of the military and came back home to Colorado and started ranching again and running a horse ranch. And, uh, you know, currently now I announced rodeos, my own landscape company. And so, you know, I, I think my journey to get where I'm at now um, you know, it was really, it was really a matter of me just not focusing, you know, and then yeah. I had to take a really big step towards God and say, okay, <laughs> I've been doing it my way for a little while. Like, you know, what, what am I supposed to be doing? And so, um, after a pretty rough year in 2016, um, December 17th, 2017, I got baptized and, uh, you know, and since that day, I've just lived a different life. You know, I've lived a different way. I hold myself to a different standard. I have a different set of uh, values, you know, that I try to stick to. And, um, you know, it's not about being a better bull rider now. Now it's about being the best husband and, and the best uh, professional that I can be. And so uh, that's that's what I focus on now. What made you decide to go down the Christian path versus something else? I mean, I've always believed in God, you know, I grew up in the church and I was always really, you know, I had a relationship with him and I knew him. Um, but I would say my relationship with God up until the point I got baptized was more of like a, a child and a step parent relationship. Uh, I knew yeah, he had some, good way to say that. I knew he had some authority. I knew he had some control, but I wasn't willing to bend to that will yet. Uh, you know, because I was set in my ways and I had grown up the way I wanted to grow up and done what I wanted for so long uh, that I didn't really see any discrepancy in the way I was living. So, um, you know, it, it happened one day. Uh, I mean, without getting into too many details, we made a decision. And I, when I say we, I mean my wife and I, but I made a decision ultimately. Uh, and and it, it cost us a little bit of money. And it tore me down pretty much 
all the way. You know, I didn't want to go to a rodeo. I didn't want to be around rodeo. I didn't want to see anybody from rodeo. I just, I just felt pretty low about it. And, uh, you know, I, I was sitting on the couch one day and I just said, you know what, this isn't the way, this is not the way you, you went and you, you know, when I joined the military, that was another kind of moment in my life where I had to make a decision. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I was, I, I mean, I'll say you can edit it out if you don't want to, but or if you don't want to get in here, but, yeah. um, you know, I, I was, I was addicted to drugs pretty good and, uh, you know, drinking and, and just, I was living like a rock star, you know, and, and when you're uh-huh. 18 and 19 and 20 and you're riding bulls and, you know, everybody that, you know, is doing it, uh, you know, it, it's really hard to not do it. And so you want to be in the in crowd, you want to hang out with the right people. And so I did all those things. And then I got to a point where I couldn't ride, you know, an arm of a couch if it was duct taped to me. And so my dad, you know, I got in some trouble. My dad said, look, this isn't it, dude. This isn't the kid I raised. This, this isn't the way. So you're going to fix it or I'm going to fix it for you. And so, you know, I just I had 600 bucks in my pocket and I got my pickup and I drove to Colorado to my mom. And I was like, mom, I got to fix my life. And, you know, about a month later, I went down to the recruiting station in Colorado Springs. And uh, I walked in the office and I said, look, I want to be in the infantry. And the guy was like, what? you know, slow down. Like, how old are you? Where are you from? Like, what are you doing? I said, look, none of that matters. I got to fix my life. Like, this is it. Didn't, I didn't tell my, I didn't tell anybody I was doing it. You know, I came home and I told my mom, I joined the army and she was like, you're lying. And I'm like, no, I'm not I'm dead serious. You know, like, and this was like a month prior to that happening. I mean, my mom walked in her house and, you know, I was, I was, how, how do I say this? So it's good for kids. I was participating in extracurricular activities in her house and she was like, get out, you know, like what, get out. And so I left and I just, I went and I joined the army and I was like, I got to fix myself. So that was a moment in my life where I had to stand up for myself and kind of say, okay, God, I'll listen this time. So I went, you know, and I did that and and I excelled there and I I enjoyed my time in the, in the military and and I was good at my job and I was a good soldier. And then I got out and uh, I got hurt. And so I got out on medical discharge and, uh, 2015 and you know it, it just really I kind of went back to being the same old knucklehead you know and, and I think there's some there's some there's some good in the tenacity of a human being uh, you know I think to be a, a competitor and to be to excel and to be successful you have to be tenacious um, but learning learning how to put that tenacity in a, in a tangible form where you can carry it with you and use it when you need it and not be so hard headed is, is kind of what you learn as you get older. So I got away from it. And then December 13th, uh, you know, that year I turned 27, 28. And, uh, I just, I had this like brick hit me, you know, and it was like, look, you need saved. So I went and, uh, in front of 2,500 people, uh, you know, at this church in Colorado and, yeah, I'm sitting there and I got a tattoo on my left forearm that says he is greater than I. And the, the pastor says, um, you know, you, you guys may not know this, but Skip rides bulls and, and, and this is what he does. And this is his uh, deal. But he has a reminder on his riding arm that says he is greater than I, meaning that he knows that God is greater than he is. And, and today, this morning, he's going to take that vow you know and put it in his heart and that's where he's going to live his life and so you know he he dunked me and I got out and 
I made five, six feet from the tub and I hit my knees. And I mean, I cried. There was like, it was like a whole, I don't know, 120 pounds left my body, you know, and, and I was open, you know, like my, my whole, it was like my soul cracked wide open and it was just ready to receive whatever God had for me. So, you know, I was sitting on stage crying like a baby and, you know, I'm 28 years old and, uh, you know, I'm a soldier and all that. I'm a bull rider. I'm supposed to be tough. And, and here I am crying, you know, like really crying. I couldn't stand up and it kind of, it just moved me to the point where I said, you know what? All right, I got it. And so from that day forward, I have just, you know, I practice being upright and honest and we're going to mm-hmm. be professional and this is how we're going to do this. And we don't cut corners and, you know, we're going to treat people correctly, whether they do bad to us or not, we're going to treat them the right way. And, um, you know, I'm, I make mistakes all day, you know, every day. I'm, I'm not a perfect husband. I'm not a perfect person. I'm not a perfect boss, but I do my very best, you know, to put my best foot forward and, and really try to make an impact uh, on the people that I meet. So, well, that's awesome. And what a cool story. And like, when it comes to the the drugs and stuff, it's interesting because I just did a podcast with uh, Kelly Kenny, the rodeo announcer. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And we did one in Vegas and he had a story where, you know, he had to make a decision too. And, uh, you know, three of his best friends and his buddies were in the truck and they had cocaine there and he, they, he had no idea that they did it or that they were even involved with it. And he said it was the hardest decision and probably the biggest decision I've ever made in my life because he told them no. And that, yeah. And he said, you know, that, that set the stage for it, but it's, I think, and I think that it's important for kids and parents to know that this industry isn't like, it's got it too, you know, like it's, we've got our faults and, um, you know, I think that that, I think it gets overlooked a lot as to the temptations that come along in this industry as well. Like we're still part of the world. Well, I mean, here's what I'll say about it is this. As a rodeo community, as a whole, we we really, and I don't mean to say this in a way that's like detrimental, right? And I don't mean to be um, argumentative in this point, but I feel like in the Western sports community, in rodeo specifically, we put this blanket of Christianity over top of it. And we all try to live underneath of that blanket and say, well, we're good Christians. You know, we we raise animals and we're forthright and we're responsible and we care about the community and all this stuff. Right. Well, in in there, in amongst that group of people is divorced parents, kids of divorced parents. There is abuse. There is animal abuse. There is drug abuse. There is spousal differences. There are. Um, you know, money problems. I think that, that, you know, we get caught up in this because we are typically salt of the earth people, because we are typically, you know, church on Sunday, you know, type of people, we kind of hide behind that. And there's this really bright light that we shine in the eyes of the public that says, look at this, don't look at us. And so, you know, as far as I go, like I get a lot of flack for it now, you know, because I was pretty wild, you know, like I, yeah. I mean, cocaine was my drug of choice and, 
you know, and, and I didn't grow up in a bad house. Like my parents were divorced, but I mean, I was loved and I had clothes and I went to school and I rode nice horses and I had nice bull riding equipment and I, I never didn't go anywhere I wanted to go. I mean, I lived a good life, you know, growing up. And so it wasn't like my choice to go use drugs was not born out of an inadequacy at home. It was born out of me being able to make a decision and I made the wrong decision, you know, consecutively. And, yeah. and I think in rodeo, I think what needs to be more prevalent is forgiveness and not so much, you know, I think there's a, I know there's a Bible passage that says, look, not unto the, the, you know, the stick in your brother's eye, but, you know, look, yeah. to the, you know, the one in your own. And I think that plank is, out of your, take the plank out of your brother's or take the plank out of your own eye before you take the plank out of right. your brother's. Yeah. You know, and, and I think when you notice, when you notice somebody that's not doing the right thing or they're going the wrong way or whatever, um, there needs to be more of a cultural shift, right? Into how do we get that person back on track? How do we make sure that, you know, they don't go down that path and feel like that's the way that they connect with the people that are around them? Um, yeah, you know, more of a support system, more of a support system and not so much of an ostracized like, oh, well, he's a bad kid or she's a bad girl. Right. And so mm -hmm. that was, you know, I kind of grew up and now when I'm at rodeos. As an announcer, I hold a completely different platform, right? I'm the guy that everybody listens to <laughs> for two hours, yeah. um, which is awesome, but it's also a different level of responsibility. You know, I have a responsibility now to look out for the rodeo contestants, to look out for the animal livestock, to look out for the the contract personnel and all those people and say, look, mm -hmm. this is what we are promoting and this is what we have to be promoting. And so I think in rodeo, if we could pull back that sheet a little bit and, and say, you know what, like, look, we're we're not any different than the people that live in town. Um, yeah, we're human. We're you know, Yeah, we make mistakes, you know, and, and it's OK to make mistakes. It's OK to be that way. But you also need to take accountability and personal responsibility and, and, you know, not just say, I mean, I have probably 10 or 15 friends that I don't know what happened. You know, they were really good rodeo athletes or they were really good wrestlers or football players or whatever they did their, their sport. And they just, they just quit. They quit and they committed to a life of, you know, of just, unsavory decisions that, that led them to a path where now they struggle and now they blame it on society. And now, you know, everybody else fault but mine. So, um, yeah, I think rodeo has its problems. And I think that, uh, you know, podcasts like this and stories like getting the opportunity to tell this story is important because I think kids need to know, like, look, you can grow up in a non-rodeo family. You can have trouble. You can, you know, battle whatever it is you're battling and you come out on the other side. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, um, if I had any advice for kids, it would be focus on what you're doing right now. In five, 10 years, the people that you're running with probably won't even know who you are anymore. You know, um, I don't speak to one single person that I went to school with. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't know where they're at what they're doing I don't know how they are I don't speak to anybody else in the military with don't know what they're doing I have no idea they could have families I have no clue right mm -hmm. but I high school rodeoed with Jeff Askey who's been to the NFR 
a couple times. I high school rodeoed with Carlos Garcia, who's been to the PBR World Finals. I high school rodeoed with uh, Tyler Waltz, who's a world champion bareback rider. You know, like I hung out with the right people, but I made the wrong decisions, right? And so I got right. to see their career go up here and my career stay down here. And so um, I think being aware of that, being aware of what really is going on and what you can control and, and just saying, you know what, I'm going to let God pick where I go. And I'm going to let him, you know, swing the rope and I'm going to let him put my hand in the ring and, and I'm going to let him take the reins. And, and when that happens, you're a whole lot better off. Yeah. And that's huge. I think, you know, the who you surround yourself with and stuff. That's one thing that I've seen in my own life this year. Um, more than ever, I've moved back to my hometown um, a couple years ago now. And it's it, first, you know, you kind of get to where hometown, been here my whole life, small town, Iowa, everybody knows everybody. Yeah. Um, so like, yeah. there's no escaping it to a certain extent. And I'm right. not trying to escape it, but God will bring people in and out of your life and you got to let it happen. Like, don't try to force it. And if you feel that something or somebody is starting to pull you back, you can have grace. You can still support them. You can still be there for them when they call, or you can be, if you're in a situation where, like you said, that we need to support each other more, like your old buddy that you haven't seen for 10 years. And you're like, man, like God's got a message for me to tell you, you don't yeah. have to write them off, but it's okay to separate yourself from them. I think, you know, and I think it's healthy too. And, and man, a lot of it is just growing up, you know, oh, I, yeah. I think in my own experience, my dad, and I'm going to tell him a little bit because, I mean, I'm 32 years old now, so I can tell him my dad a little bit. But, you know, when I was growing up, like he, he wasn't a rodeo athlete, you know, uh -huh. but he gave me two choices. He said, look, you can either ride dirt bikes or you can rodeo. But whatever you do, you will do it. There will be no backing up. There will be no quit. There will be no I'm not doing it this way. You will do it because if I'm going to spend the money, you're going to do it. Right. Uh -huh. And. You know, I grew up playing football. My my mom's dad was a football coach for a long time. You know, he coached at Wyoming University, and football was our thing. Well, unfortunately for my grandfather, I topped out at five six, right? So <laughs> football wasn't in it for me. And uh, when I got to high school, I high school rodeoed in Pennsylvania. And so when I got to high school, I was you know five foot six, you know a hundred pounds. I was this little guy, and I wrestled. And so wrestling kept me in shape, but my dad was like, look, you're going to practice. You're going to go get on bulls. You're going to rope. You're going to, you know, here's a dummy. Here's cattle. Here's whatever you need to make sure that this happens. My aunt was super big in, in my, you know, success in high school and helping me get where I was. And I mean, but there was no backing up. Right. And so mm -hmm. I think when kids are coming up, Parents need to be a little graceful with their kids and just say, okay, the end result is Tuff Cooper or Jess Lockwood or Haley Kinsel, right? Or JJ Hampton, right? Right. But right now, you're Katie or John or Paul or whoever. And so let's foster that and let, let's get you to a point where you can really rodeo. Um, one of the thing, one of the examples that I think is, is probably perfect is Paulo Krimber's kid. John Krimber. Uh, I've watched that kid grow up since the time he was 11 years old. He's 16 now. And he dominates his sport. And he dominates because his dad brought him up slow. 
He didn't let him get on bulls before he was ready. He didn't let him go to events he wasn't ready for. Um, and as a result of that, at 16 years old, John Crimber now shows up and wherever he shows up, he puts money in his pocket. Right. Um, and then you see other kids and they go and their parents are hard on, them, you know, and they, they're really hard on them. And the they burn out. Them out, you know, they burn them out and then their kid doesn't want to do it. And then their kid goes off and then they are more susceptible to that bad path. You know, they're looking so for think, an outlet. Yeah, they want they, they and they don't even want to do it. What they're really doing is say, if you didn't think I could do this well, watch how bad I can do this, <laughs> you know? And yeah. so that was kind of, you know, and in circling back to my dad, that was kind of the way it went for me and him. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd win a rodeo and he, you know, I'd tell him, you know, it's 80 points or 78 points or whatever. And he'd be like, well, you could have been more, you could have done it. You know? And I was like, dang, you know, like I just won $1,100, you know, I'm 14 years old. Like, what do you mean? I could have done better, <laughs> you know? And so, for me at a certain level, it just got to a point where like, I quit telling them about my success, you know? And I remember being a senior, senior in high school and the first bull of the year jumped out and sunfished and landed on me and I broke my collarbone and fractured my neck and I was out for six weeks. And I come back and the first rodeo back is 5,000 people in an indoor Coliseum. And it's, you know, middle of the Pennsylvania farm show. And, I draw a bull that they've they've hauled to the first frontier circuit finals twice. And I mean, he's a bucker, you know, mm -hmm. and I get on him and I make about three wraps with him and my shoulder just doesn't, doesn't hold together. And he bucked me off. And then I get on a saddle bronc horse later in the section and I, you know, I get bucked off and that sucker kicks me clear to the lights and I knock the HP AC out and I hit the ground and I get up and my shoulders, yeah. you know, down here. And I just like, I'm 17 years old, man. And I'm just like, what am I doing? You know, <laughs> all yeah. I want to do is, you know, all I want to do is make the finals and here I am killing myself. And so there was a point to it, like 17 years old, late, late 17 in the summer where, you know, that's really where I started to think about rodeo as a job. And mm -hmm. I was getting offers from colleges to go to school. And, you know, all I really cared about was riding bulls, but then it started to be a chore. And my dad was just, just that little, you know, every once in a while, like, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. Finally, I just was like, you know what? I ain't good enough. Screw it. I'm just going to go and have fun. And that's what led me to, you know, everything else. But um, yeah. I think, I think if kids knew they had a path, I think if kids knew there was some grace and there was some understanding and there was some room to grow. And, you know, if you want to rope to your, you know, 15 or 16 and then all of a sudden you like volleyball, I'll sell the horse and we'll buy a camper and we'll just go haul the country and you can play volleyball. I don't care. You know, yeah. You know, so I think that's important, too. Yeah. What do you think about, like, you know, I see all these opportunities coming up and like Vegas is full of kids now. There's all these events where these kids have a chance to win $10,000 per event and stuff like that. Like, I think that that kind of feeds right into what you're saying, that like, it's really cool that these opportunities are coming up, but there's a fine line between like, that's a lot of pressure for a 10 year old kid to be competing for $10,000 and well, it's a lot for parents to pay those entry fees for those kids. So like, that's gotta be a pretty strong balancing act. So, so let's, let's wrap this up in a pretty perspective bow real quick. All right. If my kid hypothetically is eight years old, nine years old, right. You're starting to move from calves to a little bit more Bucky junior bull or, or what have you. Now, I've announced for the MBR, the Mini Bull Riders 
uh, that mm-hmm. the PBR host for the last five years. I did their finals two years ago in, in Arlington, and um, it was a deal. I mean, it's they got pre for buck and shoots, and they got sponsors, and these kids are little professional athletes, you know. And they're winning checks and saddles and buckles every go round, and they, you know, those kids walk out of there with five, six thousand dollars a weekend, right? I'm not gonna show up to that event like it's my event, right? I think a lot of parents, you go back, you said, you know, it's a lot of pressure for parents, right? It's a lot of money. If you look at Texas, Alabama, Florida, and Southern California at their sports programs, their football programs more specifically, those kids act like Odell Beckham Jr., right? They have that swag. They have that cockiness. They have that Just a second. Have... I got somebody knocking on the door. You're good. Yes. I did not know if you guys were coming today or not. Yeah, you know, we said I had a couple of things. Yeah, we're not. I'm just checking. Oh, thank you. FedEx guy. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. So, you know, they have that swagger and they have that that kind of cockiness to them, that air about them that they're a professional, right? And so a lot of that is led by their parents living vicariously through that kid. Okay. And so when, when I, and, and a little bit of a disagreeance with you, I don't think it's pressure on those parents at all. What I think it is, is when those parents feel pressured, it's because they think it's their event. Mm. It's not your, it's not yours to win, right? It's your kids yeah. to win. And it's your job as a parent to support your kid and what they do. If they lose, why did they lose? Was it, because Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, they didn't practice. And then you hauled them to a $15,000 added junior American barrel race. Mm-hmm. Was it, was it because Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, they did homework. They're a 4.0 student and no one rode that horse for four days. And then you took them to the Coliseum in Fort Worth and he blew up. So what do you want? You want your kid to be a good student. You want them to be a world champion. You got to make some decisions. And I think when you start piling these things on these kids where, excuse me, where, you know, be a good student, be a good cowboy, cowgirl, make sure that you're, you know, respectful. You have to have a social life because that's what runs the world now, right? Those kids then start to to separate themselves from being a kid. Mm -hmm. And I think what's important is those kids need to remember like, hey, you can take the bay horse bareback and run him through the creek. You know, you can... You can go and rope the dummy or rope your friends and hang out and don't think about winning. Just think about being a kid. Yeah. You know, there's, there's 11 and 10, 12 year old kids that ride bulls right now that I know personally that they have the, the mental capacity of a 25 year old world champion. They don't even know how to be a kid. Yeah. They're, you know, they're yes, sir. And they're no, sir. And they, you know, they're tougher than I've seen these kids get slumped, knocked out and they just get up and they're like, no big deal. You know? And I think mm-hmm. it's detrimental. Like in that in that aspect, I think we need to be a little bit more cautious about how we bring our kids up. We need to be a little bit more understanding that they're kids. And dad, mom, you had your chance. You may not have made it. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know Charlie Crawford, his daughter, seventeen years old. When she turns eighteen, <laughs> she's going to be a problem because she she comes from world champion family, and yeah. her dad. 
lets her be a kid. He raised her up. She ropes now. She's she's a bad woman with a rope, but she also knows how to be 17. And you see that and you see these kids grow up. And like a good example is kind of going back to we live under this blanket is like you look at these rodeo athletes that are idolized, right? Tough Cooper, Shane Hanchy, um, Jess Lockwood, all these people. Well, if you roll back the veil just a little tiny bit, you'll see them people ain't perfect neither. And they grew up in a way that if they would have grown up different, we might have different people that we're working with. Right. And I don't mean that to be derogatory towards them. I'm just saying like, they've made some decisions that weren't so great, you know, like Mm -hmm. you and me. And, and I, I think watching kids grow up in a world where mom and dad are spending money and they're hauling them and they're these kids are winning 10 and $15,000 and they're on TV and they have all this stuff. At what point does that kid where, like, where is the allure of being a world champion when you've done it at 12? Yeah. That's one of the questions that I wonder, and, and maybe, maybe it's still there. I don't know, but how many, how many of these kids are going to want to stick with it? You know, if they've already been to the bright lights of Vegas 10 times, like they're tired of it. Then maybe they won't be. I don't know. I know I go to Vegas every year and I'm there for two weeks and towards the end, gosh, darn, like, I don't need to go to (laughs) Vegas anymore. Like once a year is plenty for me. And uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what, where we're at in, you know, 10 years when these kids are the next generation. And I think there's going to be, you know, there's obviously, we ha- had a conversation with somebody last night about, you know, there's some of those kids who just are, they've got what it takes. They're the Tiger Woods. They're the people who eat, sleep, and breathe it. They were born for it. God made them to be that person. And you're not going to get a hand, a rope out of their hand or get them off of a bowl if you pry them off. That's what they are born and bred to do. And they love it. Yeah. But how many kids are we trying to force to be that way for the wrong reasons? Well, and, and the other thing too, you know, and, and I, I go back and forth a little bit with myself because I'm very much like this. There are winners and there are losers. There are no participation trophies in between first and last. If you didn't win, you didn't win. Mm-hmm. If you lost, you lost. That is it. Right. And, and it is a, it is a direct correlation to the amount of work that you put into it. It doesn't matter if you live in Texas or Wyoming or Montana or Saskatchewan or Queensland, Australia. Mm-hmm. There are there are cowboys from all over the world that come and do great things in the, in the sport of rodeo. Oh, yeah. And it doesn't matter how much money you have, because if somebody likes you enough, they're going to mount you. And if somebody has, you know, if they see potential, they're going to help you. They're going to get you where they you know, where you need to go. And I've experienced that in my own life. And so I know that that's true. Um, but I think we need to, there's always going to be those kids that excel. There's always going to be those kids that go on to be world champions. There's always going to be those kids that separate themselves from the rest of the pack. And that happens in every sport, in, in oh, every yeah. industry. I mean, that happens in the corporate world and in whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And so as you get older, And as you start to get more competitive and as your body starts to develop as a young person, you start to really figure out what you are and who you are and what you like. And when those kids start to separate themselves, like the Wasey Shallas and the John Crimbers and and those kids, they are not the same 16 year old kids at the high school that they go to. 
-hmm. They're very, they're very different. And so that also, when you're on the lower end of that, right, that also makes it different. That also makes it hard, you know? And so it, your friend group changes. So how do you, how do you deal with that as a kid growing up when, you know, you're a five-time world champion and you've made $40,000 in the last six years and you're not even old enough to drive a car, you know, you know, there's all these things that separate you from your friend group, from your age group and all that stuff. So I think promoting that, yes, we are going to win and this is the goal, but also remembering like they're eight, they're nine, they're 12, they're 14, you know, there's other things in between those, those, those ears other than rodeo. And I think, right. uh, you know, I think there's, we'll see it. There's going to be kids that go on and be great. There's going to be kids that go on and we think they're going to be great. And then they don't. And that's just, you know, both are okay. You know, it, yeah. it's our job as a rodeo community to, to foster more, you know, like the ABBI has done a great job with buck and bulls, the junior mm-hmm. stuff and the lady stuff is getting huge. And, um, you know, there's more kids raising buck and bulls and, you know, the buck and horse fraternity stuff is getting huge and there's more kids doing that. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's a lot of kids doing trick riding stuff now and, and, you know, doing contract act stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think we have an avenue that kind of shows all of rodeo instead of just the seven main events or eight main events. Now that we, that we produce, what if we did have a school or a clinic for, uh, judges, when you're 15 or 16 or 17 or 18 or what if we did have a place where you could go and learn how to announce or learn how to run music or learn how to mm-hmm. you know produce an event you know i think the industry is an echo chamber for the most part and i think that these kids that are in the rodeo industry you know a lot of them grow up and they're successful because their parents were successful a lot of them grow up because they tried harder than everybody else and there's that little tiny you know, half a percent that is just like you said, God just made them that way. You know, they're one, they're one of one and, and that is their calling, you know, no mm-hmm. one's ever going to be better than, than Tiger Woods. No one's ever going to be better than Kobe Bryant. No one's like, that just isn't yeah. going to happen. Like the JB Moonies of the world. The JB like, Moonies, you know, like, because Jagger, yeah. you know, Jagger, for instance, right. You talk about the, the spotlight of these kids. So Jagger is two or three. I don't even know how old he's, he's little. Mm-hmm. And he's got his own Instagram page and he, you know, goes everywhere. And, you know, he's very, he's out there in the world. Yeah. By the time that kid is 15, he's going to have, you know, a name image likeness that's worth millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. So how do we do that? How do we cultivate that culture into rodeo and say, look, you can be successful in rodeo in a lot of different ways, not just in a rodeo yeah. athlete, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think, and social media pressure, I mean, I would, I wouldn't know what to do with myself if I was a high school rodeo athlete right now, surrounded by the social media that we have now, because look, everybody's good now. Just yeah. go look at their Instagram page. Everybody's good. Right. Look everybody at their rides every, Right. Everybody rides everything. Everybody ropes quick. Everybody, you know, yeah. all this stuff. And so at the end of the day, man, I could care less if, if you think I'm doing great, I could care less. If you think I'm doing poor, I don't care what I care about. And what I think everybody should care about. And, and at the end of the day, you know, the sticks and stones and all the stuff, like, look, build your house first, yeah. worry about you first, take God with you first, yield to him in your journey. You know, if you're going to be a doctor, 
build a pen in your in your backyard and rope when you can and go save lives. If you're going to be a scientist, you know, go do what you have to do and raise buck and bulls on the weekends. Like there's a yeah. lot of different ways to be successful in the world and still be a part of the Western industry. And I think that promoting that is important. I think those kids need to know. Yeah. Well, and I think like, that's one of our, you know, well, it goes back to what you were saying too, like focus on what you're doing right now. Like don't compare yourself to anybody else. Don't worry about what they're doing. Like you have no control over what they post, right. what they do, how they practice. The only thing that's in your control is what you can do. Your thoughts, your physical activities, how much effort you put in, what you believe in, like that's up to you. And so I think that's a big part of it. And like at rodeokids.com, like that's one of our big goals is fostering these kids. Yes, we want to help them be more competitive, but not just like to be a world champion, but to be more fit, to be mentally strong, to see like that you can be a rodeo announcer. Okay. So you didn't become the world champion that you aspired to be when you were age 10 and now you're 20 years old and you don't know what you're going to do with your life because you got hurt or something like to be the producer, the judge, or to have a different job and then be somebody who's a sponsor. Like there are, like you said, so many different ways to be involved in the industry. And with all of the competition stuff right now, I think it's really important that we continue, like you said, to impress upon the youth that this isn't, this isn't all there's more to it than this. Well, and, and you know, the other thing too, that's like, just like a short story. So 2008, January, 2008, we were in Denver for the midwinter meeting for high school rodeo. And Sage Kimsey was there as the junior high president of Oklahoma's junior high association. Mm-hmm. And he's 12 years old and he's, you know, three and a half foot tall. And I mean, wild as a pet coon. And he's running around with all these rodeo queens, you know, and, and they all think he's cute and great and everything. And, we're sitting outside the elevator and I asked him, I said, what are you going to do when you grow up? And he said, I'm going to beat Don Gay's record. And I said, all right. You know, and he said, what are you going to do when you grow up? And I said, I have no idea. And I think being 18, right. And being 12, we had very different views of what had happened in our life. Mm-hmm. The difference is now He's the same wild guy that he was when he was 12 years old. But instead of chasing cowgirls, he's chasing gold buckles. And he's proved himself seven times. Mm-hmm. That goal never left his body. He's still the, you know, he's got a brother. And Trey's a decent bull rider, but he ain't nowhere good as his brother. Right. Right. And so the point that I'm making is like, if you stay in your lane and if you stay focused and if you – you know, his whole, you know, Sage's whole deal about why he breaks so many records and money earnings every year and all this stuff. He goes to every bull riding and it's the 10th round for the most money for the best buckle. Right. But he also knows that in the back of his brain, the guy who rides the most wins the most. You don't have to be 90 points eight times. You mm-hmm. need to be 85 points 16 times. And so that consistency over time, over time, over time is what develops you into being a champion. Mm-hmm. Winning is a habit, just like anything else. You know, it's a perishable skill and you have to learn how to win. You have to learn how to be a champion. You don't just decide one day, well, this is it. I'm going to be a world champion. And then the next day you get a buckle. That's not how this works. 
there's been injuries, there's been trials, there's been tribulations, there's been, you know, money problems, there's been family problems, health problems, all this stuff. And amongst all of that adversity, he perseveres. He's a seven-time world champion. And he's still just as good as he was when he started. Mm -hmm. He's humble. He's a quiet guy, you know, but he also like put a board up on something. He's going to win it, you know, and, and I've seen him get bucked off. I've seen him get bucked off the bulls. I was like, Sage, you should have rode that bull, but he's human, you know, he's a human being, you know? And, and so I think kids looking at that kind of a, 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 person and saying you know what consistency and discipline discipline Discipline. is what's going to get you when you're not motivated discipline is what wins Mm -hmm. and I think I think what needs to happen um is 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 this we need to turn off the camera we need to turn off the lights we need to turn off the fame and fortune for just a minute we need to take those kids and we need to say look you're going to rope 100 times perfect if you don't do it a hundred times perfect, you're not going to get on a horse. You're not going to end mm-hmm. and not as a punishment, but as a way to say, look, consistency will win. And if you're consistent, then you're confident, right? And if you're confident, when you go to a rodeo, quote, and it was prepare to win, expect to win. And when you show up, if you're not prepared to win, then you shouldn't expect to win. But if Can you say that one more time, you kind of like cut out for a minute. All I got oh, was prepared to win. Prepared like to win and then expect to win. But okay. I don't remember. I can't remember his name. I, it'll come to me later. But the point of, of him saying that was if you don't prepare during the week, then you can't expect on the weekend. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and one of my favorite things to tell kids is like, look, do you think that Joe Burrow or um, Antonio Brown or Matt Stafford. Do you think on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, they're at home eating cheeseburgers and, and hanging out watching Netflix? No, yeah. they don't just show up on Sunday and, you know, bang out a hundred yard run or, or any of that stuff. They they're working at it six hours a day on Monday, six hours a day on Tuesday, you know, they're working at it. and yeah. knowing how to practice, knowing when to practice physical. I think physical, you know, fitness is so important and it's so left out Uh rodeo kids aren't doing calisthenics you know what they're doing they're watching their dad drink bud light and then go rope 12 steers and win 600 bucks and that's the life that's how you rodeo yeah and you know a champion living and doug champion uh richmond champions brother and logan uh, corbett and uh paul lloyd and tim bunn those guys changed my life physically uh you know and had i had that discipline when i was rodeoing I would have been in a different spot. I would have put my focus in a different place. And so I think if you compound effort, physical uh, ability and focus, it's hard to beat somebody with those three things. It, you, you won't, you won't beat a guy that is physically right. focused, mentally focused and has the ability to win. And so I think those kids, it's important for them to know, like, look, if you're going to do it, like my dad said, you're going to do it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and do it a hundred percent and excel at it and do great. And, uh, you know, like you said, don't worry about your friends and what they're doing. Worry about what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And the fitness thing, you know, that's the people who have heard this have definitely 
heard that like I've been on a fitness program that's specifically for breakaway ropers and team ropers because that's my goal right now and it's with Andy Wolf and like it has changed my body more than any other workout program that I've done like not because I wasn't in shape before but because I wasn't training my body to what I was actually doing and right. so you having you didn't have the discipline in your muscles to do the job you were asking them to do yeah, yeah yeah my muscles weren't trained for it and so that's been it's been amazing to see like when you've got a professional or you've got a program specifically for whatever event it is you're doing how much of a difference it makes and like within two weeks of doing the program I could feel how much stronger I could rope that calf like how much snappier it was and just like and it wasn't because I practiced any different. It's because I prepared my body differently. And, and it's going to take everything because there are so many opportunities and there's so many tough kids out there these days that, and the horsepower is so much better than what it's ever been. And the bulls buck harder and the horses buck harder and the calves, I mean, get smaller. And so the competition is so stiff right now um, to be the one that continues to succeed. That's what it's going to take. You know, and, and it's, it's exciting. I think we, we live in an exciting time of rodeo. We live in, a, oh, in an yeah. era right now where I'm excited for the next five, six years. I'm excited for those, those, for lack of a better term, those 2012 calves. I'm excited for their future. I'm excited for that bunch of kids, you know, to be in the middle school, high school deal and be like, wow, you know, you guys got to watch Stetson Wright and you got to watch Brody Cress and you got to watch Sage Kinsey and you got to watch Kai Hamilton and, you know, Haley Kinsel and um, Casey Webb or Tacey Webb rather. You got to watch all these young people. And who's that gal that just won the, the WCRA uh, in Vegas, the women's rodeo deal? Her horse's What's name that? is Jewel in the barrel racing. Her horse's name is Jewel. Oh. She raised a mayor and a grandma. I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember who it is. Well, I mean, they, they get to see that, right? They get to see those right. types of people. And, and I think, man, we live in such an exciting time just to, to rodeo and, and um, you know, despite the climate in the political market right now in the world and the way, yeah. that, you know, the way that the country is. But at the end of the day, God wins. And at the end of the day, it's because he is consistent in his love and his grace and his discipline. And, and I think that, um, you know, if, if you just put one foot in front of the other, and, and you back in the box and you put your helmet on and, you know, you, you get your rope gathered up and you just prepare every day and, and you make it a disciplined effort to win, man, I, 2028 to 2040, that's going to be some wild, good rodeo. It's going to be oh, fun. Oh, yeah. Walk. Yeah. And it's important too to keep it fun. Like if it's not fun, do something different. Like there's so yeah. much, so many opportunities in this world that if you get to where you're completely burn out like it's okay to step away for a while rather than make right. it worse because like you said that's when you start making decisions that it's going to be fun it gets to be fun and it, and it should be fun you know and I, I stepped away from it I quit riding bulls for most of the year and uh right there in the middle of my of my mess and and for about eight months I was okay and then the last four months, all I wanted to do was ride bulls. That's all I wanted to do. And I yeah. didn't do it and I didn't let myself do it. And I just, you know, kind of, I stayed away from it. And the first bull that I got on after that, I mean, it was like, oh man, this, this is what I, you know, this is what mm -hmm. I do. This is why I love it, you know? And so I think remembering your why and, and kind of staying home in that is important too. And, um, you know, I think podcasts like this and conversations like this, 
Um, they're helpful for parents too, because parents need to understand like, look, there's no manual on how to raise a kid and I don't have kids, but I got nieces and nephews right. and I, I mentor kids all the time. And, you know, I've, I watch kids that have prepared. I've watched kids that have practiced and be great, do terrible when they get to the final uh -huh. and their parents, there's two different kinds of parents in that group. You know, the one parent's like, it's okay. You know, we'll go home and we'll figure it out. And then the other parent's like, well, you didn't do this. And they, you know, they harp on them. And so I think listening to this conversation saying like, look, dad, mom, we get it. You know, you're spending money and we get it that it's your effort and we get it, but it's your kid, you know? And so I think being, being cognizant of, of the ability of your child is important and being mm -hmm. cognizant of, of your ability is important too. As a parent, I don't think it's necessary to stretch yourself so thin that you start to feel frustrated and you start to feel overwhelmed by the amount of travel and money and feed and all the stuff. I yeah. think you curate that culture, right? And so if you're at home and you're like, look, we're not going to go rodeo this weekend. Can't do it. And I don't care if you make a million dollars a year, if you make 40,000 a year, you have limits. And so I right. think letting your kids understand those limits is important. And I think, you know, if, if your kid's running a 40 foot bloomer and, and their best friend's running a two horse bumper pool behind a suburban, they don't get treated any different. You know, it's right. the same, it's the same place. It's the same, you know, age group. And we're just going to be that way. I think that's important. And I, I hope yeah. that when I have kids, I hope that that's the way that I parent. <laughs> I really do. Yeah. Well, and at the end of the day, we all need to be good people. And we're teaching these kids through the sport of rodeo how to be adults in the future. And so yeah. how the parents are utilizing their money to make these dreams come true, like that gets to be a conversation that you have with your kids. Like we're going to sit down and like you need to understand how this money's coming in and how it's going out and how this is penciling out so that when we you go out on your own and you become an adult you're not just shocked because that's one other thing that i'm like gosh i don't know how so many parents are doing it like i'm glad that they are but i'm like scratching my head like when i have kids how is how in the world is this gonna work <laughs> we wouldn't eat you know it would be a yeah yeah we would we would have to make decisions but you know like one of my one of my final thoughts and, and i had been thinking about kind of how we were going to do this interview and I'm glad it's went the way it has because it's been, you know, really good. But the my dad and my aunt, that's who really, you know, I rodeoed with. I remember them sitting down with me when I was 16 years old. Um, I had come off my very best year in high school rodeo. I finished third that year um, and I separated my shoulder that year as well at the finals. And so I didn't go to the national finals, but I was in the top top five guys and we had went all year. I mean, I went to, I probably got on 80 or 90 bulls <laughs> at 16 years old. I mean, I, we went everywhere. And mm -hmm. so we, we sat down, it was, it was, uh, I want to say like September, October timeframe, the season had kind of just gotten over, but the fall season was starting and, um, I was wrestling too. And so I was wrestling a lot and I was a, decent wrestler and I liked it and so we were going that way too and so I sat down and they were like look this is how much it cost us to take you last year this is what the costs were this is how much money you won in that same year mm -hmm. do you see the difference and the difference was and they weren't doing it to make me feel bad or like you know compare whatever Just what they were having trying an to adult get conversation to understand was like look you're old enough to understand now the gas prices are x 
feed prices are why, and this is what we have to do to get you there. And once I understood that it costs roughly about fifty to sixty thousand dollars a year to rodeo, to feed my horses, to entry fee, to vet, to equipment, to you know all hotel rooms and fuel and food, and I mean. If you write an invoice, it's pretty damn expensive. So yeah. my, my dad showed me this list and my, you know, we went over it and at the end of and my grandfather, you know, was sitting there and he, that guy, I love him, but he spoiled me a little bit, you know, because if I wanted some pap was like, here you go. You know, there was no yeah. questions asked, you know, but my dad was like, no, I'm going to go tear out 500 foot of fence and you're going to rebuild it. If this is what you want, you want to go rodeo, you're going to work, you know? And so yeah. once I understood the metric, of how we rodeoed and why it was so expensive. And once I understood that my dad made $80,000 a year and I was spending a third of his income just to go have fun, it really put things in perspective for me as to, okay, this is why we practice. This is why we get on practice pools. This is why we go and you know, why wrestling was so important to me is because it kept me physically in shape. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of bridged the gap where I didn't need to hire a personal trainer, um, right. you know, but, there was a point where my dad was like, look, you're missing 80 days or 60 days of school a year to go rodeo. I'm getting letters from the truancy officer that you're not showing up for school on Friday in the months of, you know, January, February, March, April, May. And it's my fault. So what are we going to do? So then he paid money to have me, you know, go to an online school so that I could rodeo and also still complete high schooling. Yeah. So I, I think like what you're saying is, is it has to be done and we have to educate these kids one at a certain age and say, look, yes. this is expensive. Okay. This is not junior high football. This is expensive. These animals yeah. are expensive. Horses need shoes every six to eight weeks. They got to have their feet trimmed. They need vet bills, you know, and a horse will hurt themselves standing in the middle of a pasture with nothing around. I mean, a horse oh, will yeah. just involuntarily hurt themselves because they can't. <laughs> And I so, have a dog right now who only has three legs to begin with. And right now he's hobbling around on two. Like, bingo. so and I have to have surgery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just never you know, know when it's going to happen. Yeah. And I think that that's important. And I, I, you know, once a kid gets a certain age and they're like, wow, okay, I get it now. Then it, it'll, you know, and maybe that conversation happens and they say, well, I don't really want to rodeo that much anymore. I don't like it as much as I used to, you know, I want to do this instead, you know? And so then they yeah. can kind of see when you see the income and the outgoing you're like all right well now that it makes it either makes it better for you, you try harder or you, you make some decisions you say okay well you know this is the thing and I think you know the other thing too yeah. in, in a short version is parents need to be okay with telling their kids we can't afford to do what Dylan or you know whatever is doing we can't afford yeah. that but what we can do is with what we can afford we can do as much as we can to get you to the next level, mm-hmm. you know? And I think, I think parents, come on. I think parents that are living paycheck to paycheck and they're rodeoing on a credit card that they can't afford to pay for. That's also, you know, that's, that's a hurtful thing as a parent. You don't want to be giving your kid any less of an opportunity than their peers. And then, and so I think, we just need to, as a rodeo community, there needs to be more grace. There needs to be more outlets. There needs to be more mm-hmm. availability to knowledge. And the other thing that I would encourage parents to do is when your kid decides they want to start rodeoing, take an LLC out in their name. That kid's earnings get paid through that LLC. 
and that kid gets paid through that LLC. And why is that important? That's important for a lot of reasons, because once they're done with high school, right, and they go to college, they now have a business income that has produced income for more than two years. They can mm -hmm. leverage that business for credit. They can leverage that business to buy a house. They can leverage that business to buy property. So it sets them up in a way that they understand the way taxes are paid. They understand that yeah. you, know, you make $100 and 80 of it goes somewhere else, right? And, and that way they have a literal income mm -hmm. from the time they start to the time they end, right? And if you don't pay them, that's fine. You just put that money in the bank, right? And then at, right. when they graduate high school, they've rodeoed for four years. They put all that money in there. And then when they get ready to go to college, you say, here's your $120,000 in cash. And here is your business. Now go do whatever you want with it. But this is That's what we started idea. doing. And so, you know, financial literacy, I think needs to be, God, I wish I knew how to budget money when I was 18 because I wouldn't oh, have been poor. Me too. <laughs> you yeah. know, and that just wasn't a conversation. So I think. Yeah being smarter about the way that we go about it and not just rodeoing the same way we have since 1960 is, is yeah. extremely important. Well, I think there's a lot of opportunity. I did a podcast with Emily Beisel that um, oh, yeah. was really cool. And her parents got her a checking account when she was in ninth grade because she wanted to rodeo and stuff. And so she learned how to pay her own entry fees and to do all that kind of stuff. And like this LLC thing. <laughs> yeah. Write a check and how to balance that and to see how it goes in and out. And that prepared her for life versus let's just pay everything for you. And then now you're in college or you're out of college. Good luck. Like, yeah, I think that there's a really good opportunity to, if the parents take the time to do it and sit down for the first six months of these kids figuring that out then for the rest of their high school career they just have to help them from time to time because they'll already know how to do it right so. and i you know like i don't know how it is now because i don't have kids this age but i'm an employer now right and i hire mm -hmm. people and and man if i had any like one little nugget of advice to give to parents get your kid outside Teach them how to dig a post hole, teach them how to run a ditch, teach them how to start the tractor, teach them how to use a shovel, teach, you know, teach them that if you want to do this, you got to do this first. Manual you know, labor. Man, and, it's, you know, just the work ethic is what's important. And so mm -hmm. teach your kids that work ethic, because let's just be honest, your kid may or may not make it in the world of rodeo. It is extremely difficult to make a living rodeo. And I know professional rodeo cowboys that have other businesses outside of rodeo. Yeah. There are guys that made the NFR that own a construction company. <laughs> our guys, well, there's a lot know. of them that have to, like when they there's making no the way. NFRs breaking even for a lot right. of them. Right. So, you you know, these like, and that's the other thing too, that's a little obscure is that you see those earnings next to their name. And it says some crazy number, like $248,000 right in a year. Yeah. Where's the expenses well, list? It costs you 180 to run that rig all year long to, you know, every rodeo and feed your kids yeah. and, you know, and then all this stuff and, and you got bills at home and you've got, you know, so I think like we're saying, understanding the in and out of how the money comes in and when it goes out and how that bottom line is where you have to kind of try to live. 
it would be a, a benefit to those kids growing up, you know, oh, like yeah. huge benefit. A huge benefit because kids who play volleyball and basketball and like have traditional, more traditional sports, like they're not having to do that. Like it's, it's not set up that way. The government through schools and stuff does that. So it gives your kids not only just a big advantage in their learning, but in life, when they go to apply for a job and they ask them, do you know how to balance a checkbook? They'd be like, yeah, I've been doing it since I was however old, you know? Well, what, you know what's life funny? Skills. Is like, if you put it in perspective, you take an 18 year old kid from Memphis, Tennessee, and he's a superstar athlete. Mm-hmm. And he goes to college and he plays four years in college. Say he just for sake of argument, he goes to Stanford. He plays four years there at Stanford. And he's a wide receiver and he is, outstanding and he goes number one in the draft at the nfl now all through college he's had no income all through high school he's had no income he gets to the professional level and they hand him a check for 10 million dollars what happens to 90 percent of the the professional athletes in the sports world they're broke and they're Mm -hmm. broke because they don't know how to manage money now i don't care if you have ten dollars if you have ten million dollars if you can't manage it you're not going to have it Right. Right. And so I think there's a huge advantage to being a rodeo athlete kid and learning how to manage your money and learning how to say, okay, well, I mean, I made a hundred thousand this year, but I also spent 80 of it. So I really only made 20 grand, you know? Right. And, and so if I can manage 20,000, when I win a million dollars, I can manage that, Mm -hmm. you know, and I I just, you look at it across the sports world and, and rodeo is so unique in that way that, we make money from the time we're seven to the time we quit. Whereas in other sports, you don't make money until you make it to the professional level. Right. You know, and so it's a, we live in a very different landscape than a lot of different sports. And I think, I mean, what other way would I want to grow up? I wouldn't, I would, there right. was, I wouldn't change a thing. I, you know, mm-hmm. the, the being poor and the, <laughs> the late night driving and the, you know, the vet bills and the frustrations, like I wouldn't change it for nothing. I, I mean, I love the life I live. I'm proud of the life I have now. I, you know, I have a great wife, yeah. but man, if I knew how to manage my money and if I would have been more diligent and I would have been, you know, more honest with myself and, um, you know, who's to say I wasn't hanging my burro back there behind the, you know, the buck and shoots in Las Vegas, you know, we don't know, but, right. um, Fortunately for me, they give out buckles for announcer of the year. And so that's the goal. And, and, uh, you know, that's where we're trying to get to. So, uh, you know, especially like for me, Garrett Urigan, he's, you know, 26 years old, he announced Cheyenne, you know, we went and got announcer of the year and, you know, God bless that man for doing it, you know, but he's also seven years younger than me. So now I'm like, all right, now I got to like a little chip on my shoulder. I got it. Now I got to put in the effort. I got to do a little bit more, you know? And so it's, it's competition is good. And, and, uh, you know, these young guys coming up in all aspects of the sport and young ladies are doing great. And it's just fun to see and be a part of. And, uh, you know, like I've enjoyed my time on the show and, and man, it's been fun. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I wasn't exactly sure which direction we were going to head, but I think that this is a message that needs to be said and that needs to be heard and that gets to be talked about. And it's all with good intentions just to help these kids progress in the future and parents, because we know that you also don't have coaching staff helping you. Like you didn't sign up to be a rodeo coach when you had kids, but here you are. So, right. um, well, you know, I think, I think what's important to remember for parents is this you're one person and you are able to do so much things so be the very best parent you can be first and then worry Mm -hmm. about your rodeo coaching and as a kid 
man, look, life is, it can end and be different in one second. And so take every single moment you're in and be in that moment, be diligent with your time, be disciplined with your time, um, you know, be motivated and be cautious and be careful of what your parents and your friends and your peers or all everybody around you wants you to do and just focus on what you're doing right now and uh, be intentional and, and listen to God and just have fun, live your life, go be a radio yep. athlete and, you know, be, be awesome. So. And that's a wrap. you all enjoyed that podcast with skip as much as i did and i just want to give him a huge shout out for being willing to share his story of his struggles and how he overcame them because that is what it takes for us to learn from each other and to grow and all of you guys who listen i just want to encourage you to be your authentic selves the people that god made you to be because even if you've made mistakes even if you're on a path that you maybe aren't really proud of, you can always reroute. You can always make different decisions and you can always choose a better way. So I just want to encourage you to make that choice and to stand firm in what you really believe in when you are tempted with decisions and just continue to be strong in who you are. And again, your faith, because God has a plan for all of us and to be there for your friends. And if they decide to do things that you don't agree with, um, as Skip talked about, still being there for people and maybe removing yourself from the situation to still have grace for them because grace is really important and being there for them when they need help and being a shoulder to lean on and doing those kinds of acts and and being open-minded and being graceful is going to make the world a better place. It's going to make your world a better place and it just makes life better. Thank you guys again for listening. Head on over to your social media accounts. Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Give Skip Ransom Notes a follow as well as Rodeo Kids and let us know what you thought. Give us a comment on the post or share it with your friends. Feedback is how we grow and how we know what y'all think about what we're doing and how it impacted you. So please share that information with us and if we can do anything for you at rodeokids.com to support you, please let us know. You can head on over to the website, check out all the videos and the horsemanship drills and And if you don't find what you're looking for, shoot us a message and we'll do our best to get you some help. Have a great day, everybody. Good luck, safe travels, and God bless.